Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Freedom from the Struggle podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Corelli. Tonight's episode is one that kind of touched me deep down in my spirit, maybe in a way that I haven't been for a long time. It's very emotional. And I think it may help some of you who have struggled with religion or religious people, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. What I want to do is give a little bit of a background here. You know, every week we put out a request that if anybody were to need some help, you can reach us through our email address at anthony at thestruggleseries.com. And the reason we do that is because we want to kind of field what kind of help that you need. If that uh, initial email prompts us to do an interview with you on the podcast, we'll do that. Most of the time we receive some prayer requests and even some smaller stories that people just needed some answers to maybe some doctrinal issues or just questions about demons. But this request came in in a very unique way. And honestly, I think it's what makes the story much more relatable. You see, what happened is we received an email a little while back, and it just asked us that if we had an address because somebody wanted to send us an actual letter. Uh, the team wasn't really sure what it was about, so we simply gave out the P.O. box and we went on our way. Well, we received a letter. And when I say a letter, this is a handwritten letter on notebook paper. I'm going to ask you, ask you to ask yourself, when's the last time you received an actual handwritten letter on paper? Because it had been a while for me. And when I read the letter, um, it choked me up and it bothered me in a lot of different ways. And I read it probably five or six times up to this point. And every time I read it, it still affects me. And so tonight we're going to read that letter and then we're going to offer up some prayer for this woman who has reached out for help. Now, before we get to the letter, I want to kind of clarify and maybe just give some information about who I am and what we do here. Some of our correspondence comes to Pastor Anthony, and I just want to say that although I did function in full-time ministry for a while, uh, I no longer function as a pastor, so please just call me Anthony because I'm not a pastor anymore, and I may function in a lay ministry role on this podcast, but I'm saying that for this very reason. A lot of the religious um, people in the world, especially people who will listen to this podcast, they will criticize my doctrine and so on and so forth. But they'll also criticize everything I do because there are religious people that do that. And I'm not going to make it a regular habit, but I also don't shy away from a little bit of, of what would be considered foul language. and. This letter contains some foul language, and I'm not going to take it out of this letter because I think that it takes away from the letter. So if you're a Christian or a religious person who is going to get offended by some foul language, I'm going to humbly tell you that you have two choices. You can understand that I'm letting this woman be who she is, and I'm not going to censor her, or you can move uh, flip down your little podcast script and find you another podcast. And that's 
why I wanted to say something because Pastor Matt may have censored out some bad words, definitely from the pulpit, of course, but on a podcast, I'm going to let people be real and be who they are. And so if that offends you, I'm sorry, but this woman's problems are bigger than a couple of foul words, if that makes sense. And so I'm not going to take them out. Secondly, I'm going to say that, you know, we receive a lot of different hate mail or, you know, hate responses to posts that we have. And I often chuckle because the people that are writing these things, you know, they have no idea who we are and what we do here. They have no idea how real and honest we are here. They simply have a hatred for God. And anytime they see some post about demons or God or scriptures, it drives them crazy. And in reality, it might be the demons inside of these people that are speaking on their behalf, but it also could be from woundedness of religion. You know, we get so many, um, you know, memes and things like that, that, that are full of hate that I have to believe that a lot of these people have been wounded by religion. You know, they want to argue, you know, the authenticity of the Bible and you, you can hear in their education that they're not just mad at some fake God. They have been wounded because they have a knowledge of God that they have studied either before the wound or after. And so if you're somebody who maybe falls in that category, but for some reason have fell upon this podcast, this might be the perfect episode for you because this woman suffered a severe wound from the church, from Christians. And she's struggling maybe in a different way than you, maybe in a similar way. But hopefully what you see here is that our team is not about beating you over the head with religion and telling you how wrong or right you are. We're here to offer up support. And when you hear this letter, I humbly ask that you put yourself in her shoes because maybe some of you have actually been where she's been. And at the end of the letter, I'm going to kind of give her some answers to some of her questions. Then we're going to pray for her. So I ask that you just kind of open your ears up because I want you to feel the pain and I want you to understand where she's come from because I'm not going to be the only one that prays for her. I want this audience, even though it's a small podcast, there's still enough of us that if we pray for this woman, I believe good things will happen. So here we go with the letter. Anthony and team. I hope you and your team are doing well. I am not sure if you have time to help me, but I hope you can. I am writing you anonymously and don't want to be contacted. I only want you to pray for me. I do give permission for you to read this on the air if you choose. I'm sorry for being so secretive, but I have been through hell with the church people, so it's hard to trust. I am a 42-year-old divorced woman who is full of hate. I am so broken, I don't even know how I made it to this point. 
Now I'm going to pause for a second. When I hear somebody start a letter like that, there's no beating around the bush. She's just telling you how it is. And I believe that's somebody who, in their transparency, is reaching out for honest help. And it actually touches my spirit because I could feel this through the letter. And so when I, when I hear somebody say I'm full of hate and I'm broken and I don't know how to make it to this point, one thing pops in my head. I wish the church, the, the local lowercase c church, the church, the local church, was a place where people could walk in and talk like this without fear of judgment, chastisement, or beat over the head with the Bible. I wish the local church could function like this because this woman, if she were to walk into most churches and say something like this, she would probably shock the Christians and she would probably spark some sort of reaction that would not be welcoming. And somebody who worked in the church like me oftentimes even battled with the, 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 those in the church that were, I guess, higher on the totem pole than me on how we help people like this, because I just want to be real with people. I want to be in the mud with people. And when I read this, I hear an invitation for me to get in the mud with this woman. So you didn't give me your name, but I'm assuming you might be listening. So if you are, I'm in the mud with you right now. I have been a Christian since I was 18 years old. With that being said, I am struggling with God right now. I have to tell you my story so you can understand why I am so messed up. I feel like I may have a demon attached to me because I am so different than I used to be. I was searching for podcasts about demons and found yours. You said to, you said to reach out for help, so here it goes. I was married to the love of my life for about 19 years. He was my everything. We were active church people who attended services every week. My husband was a lay minister and even did sermons when the pastor was out of town. Everybody loved him, and for all these years, I knew why. He was an amazing man, at least on the outside. I can honestly say I never once saw anything that would tell me he was anything but the best man I ever knew until about a year and a half ago. I could give you a long story, but I will keep it simple. I came home a few hours early on a day I was supposed to be gone for much longer. I saw my cousin's car in the driveway. I wondered why she was there, so I walked in ready to see her and her husband watching sports with my husband. That is not what I found. I caught him in bed with my cousin. 
my soul left my body. Wow. Again, let's pause the letter for a second. Um, I appreciate her simplicity, and, and in a selfish way, I wish I would have had more info, but I think I understand that she's probably struggling to even get this out and maybe not wanting it to be too long, but I hear the pain in that statement because any of us who put ourselves in those shoes would understand how that would literally make your soul feel like it left your body. Now she says, my cousin, a professing witch, just laughed and said, what did you expect? You're boring. She said that I should just leave and come back later. Ooh, wow. Of course, my husband followed me out of the bedroom and tried to make excuses. He, of course, blamed me and then begged me not to tell the church. I said, fuck you and fuck that church. I hate to say it, but I meant it. Anthony, how could God let this happen to me? Again, let's pause. I could give the canned Christian answer, but I don't know if that even maybe matters or hits the point. So I'm going to do my best to try to maybe give you an answer that would help you in your healing journey. First of all, I am sorry that this happened to you. This is one of those things that, you know, if people wrote down what's the top five worst things that can happen to you, this has to be in the top five. And the answer is, is I don't know why it happened to you. And definitely don't really have the authority to speak on behalf of God of why he would let this happen to you. Now, the honest religious answer is that God didn't let this happen to you for any other reason that God gave your husband and your cousin free choice to make decisions that would hurt you and many others. Now, I don't like the term free will, and that's a big theological debate, but I believe in what's called free choice. I believe we actually have unfree will because we sin, We're, we gravitate towards it, but we do have free choices, and the choices that they made were selfish. And I, and I truly believe this, um, and I wish I knew your name, but I truly believe this, ma'am, that God wished it didn't happen to you. Could he have stopped it? Sure. But that wasn't what he chose to do. But I also believe that God was with you when it happened. And yes, God has been betrayed. And again, I'm not sure if that's that Christian answer, that religious answer matters at this point, but I'm going to answer it because you asked it. 
But more importantly, I think at this moment, trying to gather reasons for somebody's behavior may be irrelevant. What's relevant is your pain. And what's relevant is that you suffered an injustice, that sin was perpetrated on you by the person it sounds like you trusted the most, that you literally, I think, as you said, never saw him do anything that would make you question otherwise. And so the answer that I would give you is that I don't know why God allowed that to happen, why he didn't choose to intervene, but I choose to believe that beautiful, good things will come out of this when the pain subsides, and that takes time. And how do I believe that? Because God says he works all things for good. And that sucks, and that is hard to hear when we're in the midst of the bad. But I'm going to ask that you hold on, because we are going to pray with you, and we're going to try to possibly get you some help locally wherever you are. Um, But let's get back to the letter. She says, anyway, I went to my parents' house and had to physically get in my dad's way so he wouldn't go beat him to a pulp. My brother was also there, and they wanted to go find him. My family is great, and I want you to know that. They were just being protective. Um, the, per- the person in me, the, I guess, human in me, maybe wishes they would have went and pounded him, but forgive me, Jesus, for that. And I appreciate you explaining that your parents were protective. And your, your family, your brother, and your, your father were protective. Uh, but just know that real men, real men, that's normal. That's their instinct. Now, probably glad they didn't because they could have found themselves in some legal trouble. But I think you should know that they are doing what God designed them to do, which is protect you. So let's move from there. When it was all said and done, I decided to divorce him. It wasn't the infidelity, or I'm sorry, it wasn't just the infidelity. It was who he was with and how he blamed me. I felt like there was a hundred things I probably didn't know. I moved in with my parents. I did go to the church, and guess what? The senior pastor was only interested in me not filing for divorce because I would be committing a sin. What about my husband's sin? Fuck that pastor. Now again, let's, uh, let's have some real talk here. And when I say real talk, I mean, let's get dirty, low down, dirty dog real. There are people who have endured infidelity and stayed married. The Bible also says that if somebody's been unfaithful, you actually have permission or at least you're granted some sort of uh, permission to divorce because it was the other person's fault. But then theologically, you get into craziness about who should remarry and who shouldn't and that type of thing. What I don't like is when a pastor is only focused on that. And 
I can only look at perspective here. If she went to the church, she was expecting her now ex-husband to be reprimanded, addressed, and instead the senior pastor was focused on her becoming a sinner if she got divorced, tells me that that pastor, if, if this story happened the way she said it, that pastor is a clown because if you couldn't be the one to support her, you should have gotten her to some of the women in the church who could support her. My suspicions, again, if this is the way this went down, my suspicions are that the church was covering its bases. They have a reputation to protect. The senior pastor had probably maybe been taken off guard that one of his key lay people was now um was now um you know caught up in this mix or he had actually already talked to the man and they were covering their tracks i do not like that and you know i wish i knew who these people were so they could defend themselves because there could be other factors but you can put yourself in the place of this woman and say um there there has to be some semblance of compassion when you're a pastor and if you're a, just a speaking pastor who is anointed in the gift of teaching but you're not anointed in the gift of compassion then please have somebody in your church that people can go to to get the compassion they need you know I think like in my brain, would Jesus have literally told this woman, don't divorce him because you'll be a sinner? Or would he have simply curled up next to her, looked into her eyes, told her he loved her, told her that he was there for her? I don't see a God that I serve being so cold and calloused. But again, a lot of speculation there, but I just want to kind of give you and I, I'm so wish I knew your name so I can call you by name, but also those that are listening, that you can understand that that is not okay if that's how the church handles something. She goes on to say, honestly, I gave up on God that day. I was numb. I had my entire world turned upside down. What made it worse is most of my family still associates with my cousin. They act like it is no big deal. Another cousin of mine said that she put a curse on me for telling the family about what she did. I guess she probably did. Now, let me pause here. And I so hope you're listening to this podcast. And I, I'm assuming you'll tune in to see if we're going to read this letter. So I, I'm assuming that you're listening. I have a very close family member of mine, and I won't say who, who literally endured something almost exact in terms of her husband's having a relationship with our cousin. Um, you know, we come from a big family, so we'll leave it at that. But the betrayal is devastating because if it's a stranger, for some reason, that just seems better. When it's a family member like that, there are so many other factors that cannot be 
described. And I think one of the hardest parts for my family member who suffered this is that she still has to associate with other family members who have chosen to turn a blind eye. And I'm not making excuses for anybody, but when you have a family, they, when they have to pick a side, most of the time they won't. And I'm not really sure theologically if they're supposed to, um, you know, that's not something that's really addressed directly in the Bible in terms of if somebody's wounded you, should the family be, you know, forsake them and take your side? You see, that's a very difficult topic. And so what, what I know is that I think it would be easier if the family would chastise this cousin and say, you know, we choose to forgive you because you're family, but you need to go make amends to the cousin that you wounded. You need to repent, so on and so forth. When they simply turned a blind eye and act like nothing happened, that becomes a much more difficult thing to handle because it almost seems like you don't matter or that the behavior wasn't that big of a deal, which we know isn't true. The letter says, I was about four, I was about four months into my divorce. I'm sorry. It was about four months into my divorce that I cursed out God and told him I hated him. I'm so sorry. I was just in pain. I had just found out that because I made as much money as him, that I wouldn't get any money in the divorce. Just divide the assets. Thank God we didn't have kids. Shortly after, the paranormal started. I had things falling off the counter and shelves. I honestly wasn't even that scared until I saw the shadow man standing in my doorway. That's when I knew I was in trouble. My life has been a living hell. I see this thing at least twice a week. He talks to me in my dreams. He tells me to kill myself. I don't want to, but I am tired. My family is not much help. They think it's the new house I bought after I moved out. I know this isn't true. I talked to a pastor who is over my friend's church. He says I should get some counseling. He is probably right, but I know I am not crazy. Again, pastors, if you're listening, or people who have gone to the church for help and not received any, This is a problem. If a pastor does not believe that demons are real and that they affect our lives, in my not-so-humble opinion, what are you doing? The Bible says that Jesus cast out demons. There is so many evidences of paranormal activity that cannot be explained there are so many stories of people who claim that they have been attacked by demons. There's so many, even now, visual evidence of things that are hard to dispute. I don't know how you function as a minister and, and not take this serious. The Bible says that in the last days, it'll be like the days of Noah. I believe it's like the days of Noah, like the days of Lot. There's so much evil in the world and the demons don't even hide anymore. You see 
celebrities doing rituals on stage and professing to worship the devil. But you don't believe, or you're not educated enough in the subject to help, so you simply push people off to therapy. If you, again, are a minister who doesn't know the subject, find somebody in your church that does. You know, pray over them. Make them a lay leader who helps people who feel they're struggling with spiritual warfare, and at least let them intervene. But to push people off to a counselor and then go on with your day, is an un- it's an unspeakable act to me. And if you are somebody who's reached out to help and didn't get it from the church, my only suggestion is, is that you find another church. Don't give up. Please don't give up because there are people that'll believe you. And there are people that are educated in this. And more importantly, believe that biblically Jesus gave us a way to fight these evil spirits. Remember, it says our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against these entities. And so that's where we need to come from, ministers. And if you're somebody who didn't get the help you need, keep reaching out. You will find it. I just can't believe that this happened. My whole world collapsed. I often wish I would have never caught him. I would rather have been ignorant and living in denial. I am writing because I feel like this demon has worn me down. He is going to win if I don't get help. He wants me dead. I heard your podcast where you said I have to renounce unforgiveness. How the fuck do I do that? Honestly, that sounds crazy. I don't mean any disrespect, but how? You seem like you care, so I am hoping you will pray for me. Please help. Oh, and I bought your books. I read them both in about four days. They are not bad. The sacrifice scared me because of the shadow guy. Besides the hooves, that is what I see in my house. I assuming you wrote them to teach us about demons. I can see how demons attach to us when we sin, but it wasn't me who sinned. It was my lying, narcissistic fraud of an ex-husband. I love that. I'm glad you said that. Anyway, I'm hoping you will pray for me. If you read this on your podcast, please give me some answers. If you don't read this, please pray for me. I won't give my name, but I assume God will hear your prayer. I honestly need to be anonymous because my dirtbag ex is still involved in this megachurch. I don't want anyone to figure out who we are. I don't want to do an interview because I just can't. Please pray. And she signs the letter, heartbroken. Now, if you're like me, I felt the emotion in the letter. And I think you could hear me get choked up at times because it honestly, I mean, it pierced me. And as a minister, I've heard so many stories similar to this of infidelity and how it affects people. And let me say that one of the things about the organized, again, little C church and even the capital C big church is that we have made it into a place where we speak about sin and what we should and shouldn't be doing. And we 
get to a place where the humanity is out of it. And, and maybe some of you would argue and say, well, humanity is the problem and we need more God and less humanity, but you know what I'm saying. Like there has to be a part where somebody could be human and they, they could come and, and reach out for help raw. And I, and I consider this letter raw and, and, and please hear no offense to this, um, to the person who wrote this, but you seem very educated. I see in the letter the the spelling errors and the and the grammatical errors and I know you were just trying to get this down on paper because I know that if you would have taken the time to write this it would have been more polished and then I would have actually wondered if you were sincere but when I read this I see the sincerity in the writing and I feel it in the words and this is what I want this podcast to be about. I want it to be raw. I want it to be real because the church that's supposed to be, you know, a, a hospital for the sick has become a museum for the saints. And that's not my phrase. I stole that from somebody, but there's a truth to that. It's disgusting to me. I dream of a day that a church is somewhere where somebody could walk in and just say, I don't know anything about this stuff, but I need help and I don't know where else to turn. I'm not polished. I don't know all the lingo. I don't know these songs that you're singing, but is there somebody here that can help me understand why my life is the way it is? And when that help comes, it shouldn't be in a package of, well, you're a sinner. What did you think was going to happen? And I know some of you who are in ministry would say, I would never say that. Well, you may not ever say that specifically with those words, but you say that with your actions, with your judgment, with your tone. When I said to the author of this letter earlier in this podcast, I'm in the mud with you. I am in the mud with you. I feel this pain. And I've been on both sides of infidelity in my life. And I'm not afraid to say that because I'm not trying to be perfect here. I'm trying to be real. Now, there is a pain that happens when it occurs to you, and there's a pain that you inflict when you do it to other people, especially when it's tit for tat and that type of thing. But I do know this. It's one of the worst things that can happen to somebody because when a divorce occurs and infidelity occurs, it tears apart many lives. You know, if I steal from a, a bakery because I'm hungry and I get caught stealing a loaf of bread, that's sin. And I've affected the baker and I've affected maybe the baker's family who had to deal with the theft. I've affected maybe the cops who had to come and arrest me and the judge who had to sentence me and the lawyers who had to fight for me and against me. So it still has a global effect. But when infidelity and divorce occurs, that circle of victims or circle of people who have suffered is huge. This woman's family now is affected. I mean, 
honestly, as I read this letter, that dude better never show up at a family gathering where those people are and probably wouldn't. And I, I can't say that this church is doing wrong by forgiving this man and trying to help him move forward. I, I'm not sure if I read into the letter or if I'm making this up in my head, but I think from her tone, it sounds like he's still able to do what he does ministry-wise. And I'm not somebody who ever thinks that you're disqualified for ministry permanently for falling from grace. But I also don't believe you should be practicing ministry while you're in the process of falling from grace. Needs to take a step back. And so what I see is that in this case, the church chose his side, not hers, and she had nowhere to go. And that bothers me. And if you're listening, I'm sorry that that happened to you because the church should have done a better job in helping you. Your family and your friends are there to support you, it sounds like, but maybe they don't know how to deal with all this emotion. And in reality, this emotion is huge. It's, it's enormous in terms of what do you say to somebody who's been through this except for, I love you, I'm here for you? Because you don't need a sermon. And there's not really an answer for why he did what he did. I liked how you labeled him, uh, let me see if I find it here, a lying narcissistic fraud of an ex-husband. Sounds like if he was able to scam you, there might be some level of narcissism. And as a therapist, I try not to diagnose people I don't know. But I think you know that word well enough to put it in here because you also included fraud, which is part of that. So he was a deceiver. And, you know, when you're deceived like that and your world crumbles, the, the word betrayal may not be big enough. It may not be uh, a, a well-rounded word that basically describes what you've been through. It's just a word that basically gives us a, a hint as to what you're going through. And so I'm going to kind of address you in terms of what you asked me to do. Now, first of all, are you under attack by a demon? I absolutely believe you are because you don't report anything in the past. You don't really seem like somebody who's had a mental breakdown. And when did the demon come? You know, some people listening might say, well, when you cussed out God that you welcomed a demon and, and maybe it opened a door, but I think the sin, the emotions, the negative emotions, all of it opened a door. It wasn't just you cursing out God. And as a matter of fact, I believe God is loving enough and big enough to handle your emotions. I think he would rather have you cry out to him even through your bad words than to not cry out to him at all. So I don't want you to feel like you welcomed this on yourself by saying to God that you hate him. He knows you didn't hate him. He knows you're just upset and you need answers from him that unfortunately he takes time to give to you. Now this demon is after you. And if it's telling you to kill yourself, that's what it wants. And I believe that demons orchestrate massive schemes to take out people. And so I believe, and maybe 
people will call me crazy, but I've been doing this for a long time. I've seen how intricate a demonic scheme can be. I believe that the demons influencing your husband were also working with the demons that are trying to come after you and orchestrated a plan that would take you from this happy, God-loving, caring, compassionate person who was a good wife and was committed to the church to take you to a place where you don't want to step foot in one. That's a demonic scheme. Now, it doesn't mean I don't understand where you're coming from, but I do believe that was the scheme. And I believe that the demon protecting him and his behaviors is also mocking you that you didn't get the justice that you feel you deserved. I believe that as well. And so as the demon has whittled you down and worked his way, and I hate to call him him, but worked its way into your life, you feel hopeless, which was the plan. But I want to, I want to just challenge you with something and I don't want to come across as religious. I want you to hear my heart. Once upon a time in my life, I went through a divorce myself. I wasn't working in ministry at the time, but, you know, as a retired pastor, people, you know, still judge you the same. And I stayed in that marriage for a long time, and it wasn't meant to be that I stayed there because so many things have happened. And let me clarify what I mean by that. I'm not saying God made a mistake in bringing me a person. I'm not saying I didn't make a mistake of marrying the wrong person. I don't know that. But what I do know is that when it happened, it was painful and hopeless. And that there was a belief that the best days of my life were over and there was no more sunny days in the future, in the forecast. But I could assure you that through that pain, which I'm not comparing to yours, but it was painful in and of itself. When I was able to kind of, you know, see through the smoke as it cleared, my life is great. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I can honestly tell you that I'm closer to God than I've ever been, including the times when I sat stood in front of a pulpit and preached to thousands of people. I'm healthier and happier and closer to God now than I was then. Because regardless of my sin, the sin of my ex, the reasons we got divorced, which are really at this point irrelevant, especially for this podcast, God took something awful and made it great. And it's a understanding that right now there are no answers. There's only pain. But if you could see in your mind that Jesus is there, he's closer than you think he is. When we say, or when we believe that God is so far away, that's not true. He's right there. We feel that he's so far away because of our circumstances but he never leaves us or forsakes us, even though it feels that way. You know, one thing I love about God 
is that through the worst of circumstances, he's always there. He's consistent. You know, one thing I want to tell you, kind of give you as a, as a perspective in my, in my years as a therapist, I did a treatment called healing of memories. And what I would do in this treatment is I would let people just kind of get relaxed, not full hypnosis, but kind of in a little hypnotic state, a state of relaxation. And I would take them back to the traumas of their life. And when they had a good visual and they were there in their mind and in their spirit, I would ask them where God was. And somehow, some way through their visualization, they were able to place God there. And many of them would report to me when they were being abused or when they were being assaulted or when they were being mocked or ridiculed or when they were left alone in abandonment, that they would report seeing God that was there weeping with them. And that's unprompted. And I believe in those moments that was the Holy Spirit through this crazy little therapy intervention revealing to them that that's what God does. He doesn't like what happened to you but he will weep with you. He will hold your hand metaphorically and literally, but he is there to embrace you. And here's what's crazy. When these people would come out of this therapy, they would never see the scenario the same. So if we were working on a, you know, a a trauma where they were abused, when they would go back in their memories to re, you know, revisit the abuse, they now saw it with Jesus in the picture. So before they were in a space, they were being abused, it seemed empty, but now when they go back in their mind, they saw Jesus in the corner or Jesus restraining the abuser from going farther, whatever they saw in their minds. And I love that because. I believe that that was God bringing them healing just through a visualization process of understanding how God works. And I think that's how God is working in your life. And I believe that these demons are trying to turn your focus from that. I am sorry that you went through this. I am sorry that your husband betrayed you like this. I am even sorry that your cousin did this and then mocked you for it, you know, and that speaks of her lack of faith and her, you know, affinity to evil. But I do believe that God has something beautiful you for you on the back end, or the demons would just simply leave you to your own misery. They're coming for you because God has something great. And I'm going to challenge you with something that God put on my heart. And I wonder if you would go here with me. It sounds to me in your letter like you lived in the shadow of this man. He was the good man. He was the lay minister. He's the one that everybody thought was great. What about you? 
Maybe it's your time to be great. Maybe it's your time to shine. And maybe that's what these demons are trying to take away from you, is your time to shine. Your ability to get out of the shadow and be who God wanted you to be, which seems to me like it wasn't just the wife of this man, but he always wanted something bigger and better for you. So I'm going to challenge you to think that, and I'm going to challenge you to kind of put that in your spirit a little bit. Now, before we pray for you, I want to kind of give you maybe, maybe kind of a, an answer to, you know, your question in terms of, you know, what demons are really about. This demon is a defeated foe. It knows its demise is imminent. But these beings are hateful. They hate you. They wish nothing but for you to experience their fate, which is an absence from God. But if you are a Christian, your faith is sealed. What these demons are trying to do is steal your anointing. Let's not let them do that. Let's get you back close to God so God could pour out a new anointing on you and that you can discover your path in your life, not just as this heartbroken person who was wounded by somebody who chose sin over his own wife, but as somebody who is kind of rising from the ashes to be something beautiful and helpful. One thing I know about God is he takes pain and he takes the people that suffered from it and he makes them into people that can help others. And for some reason in my spirit, I believe that that's what God is calling you to do. So before we pray for you, I just want to ask you in your mind, outside of your ex-husband, do you feel that God had a plan for you? Had he ordained you for something different that you weren't meeting because you were going to work and supporting your husband? I want you to have that in your mind as we pray. Now, as we begin to pray, I just want to focus on probably the primary question that you asked in your letter. How do you forgive somebody who does this? And as we pray, I want you to hear in my heart what I'm telling you, not in Christianese, not with words that pastors speak, but in reality. Who gives a shit what people think of you for forgiving? You're not forgiving him for the sake of him. You're forgiving for the sake of you. When you carry somebody else's sin, which we're all going to do in this moment, 
in these moments. We can't help but for it to attach to us because it's so powerful, which is why the demons use infidelity as a way to destroy people. But you're forgiving for your freedom. You see, this demon that's in your life right now is using that unforgiveness. You started your letter saying you're full of hate, and I get it. But I also hear somebody reaching out to help doesn't want to live that way anymore. So again, who cares what people think? Who cares what he thinks? Your ex. You don't forgive and then become buddies and hang out and watch the game together. That's not what you're doing. You're forgiving so that God can intervene and bring you the life that he wants you to have, the peace, the grace, the mercy, the love that God wants to bestow on you. And these demons use something like unforgiveness, which is so understandable to a human being as a battery. They use it to gain energy to infiltrate your life in incremental levels. But what we're going to do is we're going to break that. So this is going to be hard for you. But forgiveness comes when you surrender this thing to God. Honestly, this is too much for you, me, or anybody to handle. Our human minds and our human hearts cannot stand this kind of stuff. We're not built to endure this kind of stuff. So you're forgiving to give it away. God knows what to do with stuff like this. We don't. So a battle you're fighting is not the one you should fight. The battle you should fight is to gain access to the loving grace of Jesus Christ. And that will bring you to a place that is far better than even what you think or even where you think you want to be. But again, it's hard. So I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray this with me. And if you're somebody who's listening to this podcast who feels that you might be struggling with something similar, pray this with us. This isn't just for her. This is for all of us. Maybe you struggle with unforgiveness or a wound. We're going to pray together. Heavenly Father, I, I hear this story and my heart just shatters. Sometimes I get mad at you, God, for making me so sensitive because this pain is palpable to me. I feel it in my spirit. I feel the brokenness. I feel the wounds. And yet that's probably so small compared to what she is struggling with, what these people are struggling with. So God, we pray for your intervention. You say that you're the wonderful counselor. So be that wonderful counselor for us right now, but also be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God, you say that if we turn to you, we have the right to be called the children, the sons and daughters of God. And so God, we just call on you to be our father, our heavenly father. And we thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to not only die on that cross for our sins, but also to live like we live. He suffered betrayal and temptations and all of the things we do as human beings, which makes him the most amazing savior we could have ever asked for. 
because he knows where we've been. You came to earth as a person and wore our skin and, and dealt with the emotions that we deal with. And Jesus, when you died on that cross, you conquered sin, sickness, and death. Jesus, I ask right now that you intervene in the life of this woman and everybody else listening. I ask that you become so real and so evident and your love is so strong that it permeates pain, that it permeates woundedness. Lord, let this woman know that she is not unlovable. She's not the words that were spoken by her husband and her cousin, but she is a child of God, beautiful in who she is. She is more than enough. Jesus, heal the wounds in her. Jesus, bring her peace that only you can bring. And devil and demons, I renounce the permissions that she has given you in the name of Jesus Christ. She renounces them. These people renounce any permissions that they've given you in the name of Jesus Christ. You no longer have legal authority over these people because they are children of God children of the almighty God who defeated you on Calvary. So we renounce our permissions in the name of Jesus. And by the blood of Jesus, you are no longer welcome in this woman's life. Get out, get out of her mind, get out of her spirit, get out of her home, get out of her thoughts and emotions in the name of Jesus Christ. Get out. You are not welcome here. You are weak and defeated foe who preys on people's emotions. But the truth is, the truth is that you are so much defeated by Jesus. You tremble at the name of Jesus. So you have no authority here. Leave in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're listening, ma'am, I pray that you say these words. I renounce my permissions. I renounce any legal authority that I've given over these demons in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Change me from the inside out. Make me a new creation. Make the old go away and make the new come in a way that I can't imagine. Jesus, I know you love me. I'm sorry for my sin, but more importantly, I give my life to you. And in Jesus' name, we pray these things and believe in these things that they will be true. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you think that you still need some answers, don't hesitate to reach out for us to us. Again, Anthony at the struggleseries.com. You can contact us initially by email and we'll figure out where we go from there. Ma'am, if you would, if you could, please don't hesitate to reach out to us, even if you send us another letter. Um, I will never share your information unless you ask me to, but I just want to check on you. And that may be selfish or too personal, but that's what I believe. But I also believe that if you prayed that prayer and you continue to pour out to Jesus, be real with him, be transparent with him like you were in this letter, you're going to find the relief that you need. And if you prayed that prayer and that demon is gone, don't just sweep the house and put it in order. Don't let him come back. Fill that with the love of Jesus. And we have resources for you. Again, 
we are figuring out a network of people. I don't even know where you're from, but if you could reach out to us and even just give us that, we can try to dig up some resources for you in your area. Maybe even try to do a little homework for you to find you a Bible believing, loving church that isn't about calling out sin more than it is about loving people. There are good people out there that will love on you if you need it. Lean on your family, lean on your loved ones, and don't listen to the lies. That's my humble suggestion. I hope that that helps. I I feel so inadequate sometimes when I don't even know your name and don't really have never spoken with you in person, but I definitely wanted to use your story because I believe it's authentic and I believe it's it's a, a true cry for help and no way would I ever turn that down. And if you're somebody who's listening and you feel that that's the way you want to reach out to us, you can email us or, you know, send us a letter handwritten like this one if you want to, and we'll be more than happy to try to help you. I want to thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Remember we're growing. So if you can smash the like button, hit the thumbs up, leave us good reviews, share it with a friend, share it on social media. We want to grow, not for to be the podcaster of the year, but to be a place where people can get help where they don't know where else to turn. So our social media, as you could find in the show notes, we do have a Patreon campaign. If you're interested in some bonus contact or helping us to support the ministry. Um, and so just be looking at those show notes because we're going to continue to try to expand the podcast in places that maybe podcasters don't normally go, but we're going to give it a shot. So. Thank you so much for tuning in and we wish you many blessings. May God bring you peace.